Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome okay. to yet another special Netflix versus Cinema. This one is all about our Oscar reaction because the Oscars happened this last week. If you listened to the show last week, you know I was speaking to our London correspondent Holly, who was attempting to watch every single film on the Oscar roster before she actually got to before the the ceremony happened. First of all, I should Crikey. yeah yeah I know she was she was uh, that's that uh, anyway okay I'm going all over the place let me introduce myself my name is Tosin I am your host I live up in Coventry in the Midlands and joining me on the Isle of Wight tonight is Sharon hello yes Sharon because Sean is still somewhere in the states and he is he we've we've seen one picture of the Statue of Liberty right that's all we've that's all yes. we've had so we know that he has been in New York but he wasn't he heading for the West Coast as well. So, yeah, carry on. I don't know which coast he's on. I wasn't sure which coast he's currently on, whether he is still east coast or whether he was headed west. Oh, I don't even know if he, because there's a bit of me that thinks that he's supposed to already be back in the country. So it's it, it's it's all a bit kind of like, well, where where is Sean? We should we could make like a where game, yeah. like, like a where's Wally, but a where's Sean <laughs> <laughs> to try to figure out where he's where he's gone to. Um, <laughs> Yes. So, uh, yes, Sharon, myself, Tozid, we're here. And I was talking, we were talking about um, last week where Holly was her and her film, her film watching friend, Steph. So who I've taken to calling the Steph of legend, because we keep hearing about Steph, but we haven't we haven't contacted her. We haven't we haven't had any contact with Steph. All we have is just what Holly tells us about Steph. We're not saying that Steph doesn't exist. We're just saying she's the Steph of legend. And uh, yeah. yeah, so they were attempting to watch every single thing um, before the Oscar ceremony. And I think by last weekend, they only had three films left. Crikey. Yeah, but by, by last week, they only had three films left. So uh, at some point, we're going to have to find out what actually what Holly actually thought about the final thing, what she actually thought about it. But this yeah. is this is left. So we are this week. We're just going to have a reaction to what we saw on it. Which means that it should be a shorter show. But then again, I have said that before in the past, and three hours later, we finally gotten off the phone. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, right, Oscars. These were the these are the big babies, and okay, we're called Netflix a Cinema. We had some things from Netflix. So we're going up for awards this year, like The Irishman, and oh, yeah, but. I think we Marriage Story. Marriage Story, yep, Marriage Story. That's another Netflix thing that made it uh, and I made it into the list. Um I think those are the oh, the two popes. The two popes was up for Yes, that had a lot of actor nods, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, the two popes was up for stuff as well. Uh let's see, looking down the list, looking down the list. I think that was I think those were the three main ones. Was the Irishman, Marriage What's Story the Ant- and the Two Popes. A few of them I haven't actually heard of. Um, the Antonio Banderas film, um, Pain and Glory. Oh, Pain and I don't Glory. know that one at all. Yeah, that that was a Pedro Almodovar movie. And ah. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a Spanish movie, and it's well, Pedro Almodovar. He tends to be like um, the stuff he makes is art house. It's seen as art house. It, okay. It very rarely gets um a wide release. I think there was a period where Penelope Cruz was like you know the hottest actress in the world at that time. And so, anytime, yes. so when she was in a Moldova movie, it got a wide, it got a wide release. But, um, um, but I think at the moment it's, uh, yeah, it's it's gone that. But this apparently is quite a sort of autobiographical film, and everybody apparently, 
Antonio Banderas is amazing in it. So, yeah, we'll see. Let's see. Let's see. What else oh. do we have? Um, we, we have, it turns out that I actually know somebody who was involved in an Oscar winner, in an Oscar and a BAFTA winner. I used to. Oh, yes. Nineteen seventeen. No, 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 no. Nineteen seventeen. Oh, you had an Oscar. You had an extras friend who was in that, didn't you? Oh yes, I do. I do. Yeah, I've got a friend. I've got a friend who were who I was in the Full Monty with in Portsmouth, who ended up as an extra in nineteen seventeen. But there was so there was a film that was nominated and won the Oscar and the um. It won the Oscar and the BAFTA for Best Documentary Short Subject called Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone, in brackets, if you're a girl. And Okay, I've seen the clips about that. I have I know nothing about it. It's, now, this is part of the thing that I get about Oscars, is there's a whole bunch of... So there's the big things that are going to be in cinema, which you actually have a chance of watching, or the things that are going to be on Netflix, which you have a chance of watching. And um, But the, I have no idea, where do you watch the documentary short subject films the short films where do you watch them the animated short films the live action short films where do you actually watch these films <laughs> because yeah i mean i'm guessing they they'll be shown at film festivals i'm guessing that for some sort of thing for oscars they have to to qualify they have to have been in a cinema at some point but it's mm. not as if you have it's not as if you go to the cinema to see a short film so there's all these films no and they don't do the shorts before the main feature anymore do yeah, they? No, that's just not a thing they, they yeah Whereas they, they always used to yeah they, they don't do that and i'm just and so i i'm actually because as i said my friend elena elena and oh good lord i'm so i'm gonna uh, attempt her last name because it is i believe of ukrainian origin so uh i think it's andrea cheva Andrzejewa, okay. yeah, Elena Andrzejewa. So she she was involved in it, and I know she'd been posting about it for a while. And then this, because obviously I couldn't find anywhere to watch the film. Then the film starts winning awards, and I'm like, wait, hang on, this must be good. <laughs> this, this this must be good. Oh my god, where can I watch it? Where can I watch it? I don't know. I can't find it anywhere. So it's uh, eh, yeah. Anyway, I'll, wait, I'll see if she's not too big time. It'll be good to see if I can actually interview her and say, where do you watch these things? So, yeah, tell us about this bomb, please. Tell us about it. <laughs> tell us about how we can watch the stuff that you make because apparently it's really good, but we can't say it anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Bring back the the small feature before the main event I'd... at the cinema. Then we can see these things instead of 25 minutes of trailers. Uh, Let's just watch a short film. Uh, I've actually, I actually arrive half an hour after they tell me the film's going to start. And if I miss the first three minutes, so be it. So <laughs> yeah. I think there's yeah there's there's sense that I never ever go in on the time it says you know the film starts at this I never go in then yeah I normally go in within like the quarter of an hour after that because part of me is thinking I might want to see one or two trailers but then by the time you've sat through five and you said to afterwards what were the trailers about again you've forgotten yeah it's, what you what, what you've just seen for me it's even the fact that you have the adverts you have the adverts. Yes, and then you well. have the trailers. Why? So you have you, you have this sort of trailer sandwich where you have advert, trailer, advert. Then maybe we'll let you watch the film you actually came here to see. So it's it's a yes, yeah, it's too much. Okay, so um, shall we kick off and actually start talking about the Oscars and talking about the yes? The, oh, so let's kick off in or well, in, pretty much in reverse order. So we'll go from the most important one and then go down that way. 
So we'll ca- yeah. kick off with Best Picture, which is the big one. And so just to remind, if anybody doesn't know, the films that were up for this were Parasites, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, 1917, Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and Ford versus Ferrari. Now, um, what were, when you saw this list originally, what did you think? I thought... I don't, I don't know all of those films <laughs> for a start. <laughs> um, I've seen about half of them at the cinema. And the other, some of them I thought, I thought that was just a Netflix thing. I didn't know it had a cinema release at all. Yeah. And yes, and I thought in years gone by that you only had like four or five nominations. There seemed to be an awful lot of nominations. Yeah, they, they increased it to up till 10 a couple of years back. So that, so that more films could be recognized. But it's a bit rubbish because... Quite frankly, only the f- the winner of Best Picture is going to, is going to be very very weird if the winner of Best Picture does not come from uh, a film that has been nominated for Best Director, for instance, which only has five. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, um I can't remember whether Green Book was nominated for Best Director or not. I think it actually was, but it, but it will be really really weird. So essentially, there's five films in that Best Picture list, which you are like, well, they don't have a chance. So yeah. they just there's like yeah, oh and you think, it's like oh well done oh well done for trying look at you making yeah, a film yeah they're like this padding aren't they yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah we'll give you a pat on the back but you know don't even bother turning up yeah pretty much actually oh my god looking at this list I'm just realizing this is the first year where I have seen every single best picture nominee before Mikey. yeah I have seen all of those films. I feel so proud with myself. Cool. Yes, I'm looking down. I have seen one, two, three, four, five. Five of them. All right. So, so you kept with the old school. Look, there's supposed to be five categories, five movies. That's so, what I'm watching. So I'm going to watch the I five that I think it. have the best chance, and this is what I'm going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before this, before the ceremony, what did you think about this? What did you think was going to win? I thought that 1917 would just take it. Yeah myself and so but i thought it would be down to 1917 or parasite yeah i genuinely didn't think the others would would be in for a much of a chance i thought they were the two front runners and all the others i would regard as outsiders and i thought 1917 might just pip it but then i think in the last couple of weeks the the buzz about parasite has been growing yeah. i think quite a lot yeah and i think as well i don't want to be cynical about this but part of me thinking there's been a lot of pressure about as we've discussed before about diversity and about how they tend to vote um white, white middle-aged men tend to vote for white middle-aged films yeah yeah as yeah. It were. yeah and so i but i was thinking there's been almost like a backlash against that i think that gave uh, a boost to parasite because they're saying that hey look at us we're not these narrow-minded you know people you think we are we're yeah. going to embrace a foreign language film as our best picture yeah yeah um so i thought there might be i might be cynical but i think there might be an element of that in there but i but i haven't seen parasite but i gather from your review and from shawnee's review that you know that it is a well-regarded film and it's very well made it, with it, lots of twists and turns and it takes you by surprise yep um so i don't think it's an unworthy winner but it's not the one i was expecting yeah parasite is an excellent film it it really really is and i did think for me i thought it's a straight fight between 1917 and parasite that was uh, those were those were the two films on that list that i was like whichever if one of them won i would be happy with that because i do think that they were the best films on the list i was like one of them wins i'm happy with that 
And I did yeah. think 1917 would get it because, A, it's a war movie. Um, and those tend to do well. Big prestige war movies tend to do well at the Oscars. Yes. And I thought Parasite was, okay, cool, you're giving it a nod. I mean, it's a, it's, and when I look at it, I think I personally wanted 1917 to win. But I have to think, I do think Parasite, I do think it's the right answer. I, I think it's the right yeah. result. Uh, just, it is the right result at the end of it. They're two very, very different films. They're two very different films that affect you in a different way. They're both masterfully made. And I, mm. I think, yeah, I think I would just about... And that's that was pretty. That was probably the big shock, if you want. But I think the same thing as you. In the run-up to the week before the Oscars, Parasite was everywhere. Like... Yeah. It was like as Claudia when I told Claudia this, Claudia was like, "Oh, you mean like a parasite?" Boom! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, well, parasite was everywhere, and you, oh, you, you couldn't move on social media for all the five star reviews for everything that was going. Oh, parasite! Oh, watch this film! Oh, and it made me think. Hang on a second. And so it ran up to the Oscars. I was like, I'm, I'm beginning to feel like somebody knows something. And they're, they're pushing this thing so that push, 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 push. Then when it wins the Oscar, everybody's like, oh, my God, I need to go see this film. And guess what? It's available. And sure enough, after the Oscars, Parasite has been put on a wider UK release. Yes. So, it so, suddenly reappeared at, at, on the island again. It's suddenly it's there. Yeah. As, and with more than just one showing in the middle of the afternoon <laughs> for the golden pound, for the silver pound people. Yeah. It's like they're, there's, they're, they're even stuff, you know, after working hours. So it's like they've gone for it in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. And it and that oh, oh, that was that was the thing because running up to the Oscars, I was I, I remember going to bed because obviously being in the UK, unless you're a glutton of punishment, who's going to work? Who's like who's going to actually watch the Oscars? I did that once and I thought no, it wasn't it, worth it. So <laughs> yeah, I've never I've never watched. I think I think no, I've never seen it live. I think once I watched it when I was a child, because it was just like, it was on in the afternoon, and I sort of sat and watched it. Yeah. I think they must have like, recorded it, and then they showed the whole thing. Yeah. But this was a long time ago, because I was waiting for E.T. to be nominated. And I was thinking, <laughs> why are they nominated E.T.? And it wasn't mentioned once, and yet it was like this, the biggest film of the entire year. And it and that was the first time I actually noticed the, the Oscars, because I suddenly, I just had that connect between what was popular and actually what gets nominated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and ever since, it's like, not necessarily the most popular film of the year will actually get mentioned in the Oscars. Because so I remember as a child just thinking, why aren't they talking about E.T.? Because surely that's the best film of the year. But <laughs> they didn't mention it. So that's my first sort of, you know, acknowledgement that the Oscars actually exist. And that was, what, 1981, 82 or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but, the, but when I went to bed, so I, I went to bed and I was just thinking... And when I woke up the next morning and you get the, your, your alerts on your phone that says, oh, and I just, I, I wasn't surprised that Parasite won. I was like, yeah, I kind of felt this was coming. I felt this was coming. Like it just built up this head of yeah. steam going to building up to the Oscars. And I, I still can't believe I saw this film that early because I feel like everybody's going, oh my God, Parasite, amazing. I just saw Parasite. And I'm like, yeah, I saw it like four months ago. I was like, yeah. you, you mean? Oh, cool. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess it is a good film. I, I, I guess it is. So, um, yeah. So, Parasite, worthy winner, and I think the um, the the director Bong Joon Ho, the director, he's 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 quite cute uh, because. 
Parasite won more than it won four Oscars, and he there's there's a picture online of him holding two of his Oscar statuettes, and he has this sort of like cheeky cheeky little sort of smile <laughs> on his face, yeah. and he's making them kiss. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah that's nice yeah no he's he, he's got yeah he, he he seems he seems like fun he seems like fun and oh uh, so yeah parasite that was the big shock of the night so to say because people that was i think that was probably the only category where there was a little bit of a fight there was a little bit of a fight over yes. who was going to get this so if we go from there we're going to the act the the actor roles so let's start off with best actress in a leading role now this was Renny zellweger um, for Judy, yeah, for Judy, yeah, was nominated. Charlize Theron for Bombshell, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, Shashi Ronan, Little Women, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. And I think of all these films, Harriet is the only one I haven't seen because that had a that had a blink and you miss it thing in the cinemas here. Yeah, that's if it had a if it was released in the cinemas. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember it ever coming to the island. I just didn't see it at all. I didn't see it in cinemas. Full stop. I think it yeah. might be on prime or or amazon prime or something like that but cynthia Riva oh, was can have a look yeah, yeah. cynthia Riva was was she was the it was well publicized that she was the only non-white person to be nominated for an acting award out of the the whole thing um and okay now tell me what do you think about this because you i haven't seen judy you saw judy and i remember at the time when yeah. when we reviewed judy i people were going oh my god Renee Zellweger for the award but that was probably about six months ago before the before the actual ceremony or for for the Oscars, yeah, and the, and I asked you whether you thought that it was up for an Oscar. I, I think you said it's a good performance, but you didn't think it would get it. Yes, I mean at the time I remember I distinctly remember as well saying, yeah, she's definitely going to get nominated for it yeah. because it's that sort of role. But I didn't think she'd win. Yeah. Um. So, but I can understand why she was nominated for it because. Um, it's Judy Garland, <laughs> and it's that. <laughs> she it's she that, is she is Hollywood's uh, darling. <laughs> yeah, and it is about Hollywood, even though it's like she was sort of in exile basically because you know Hollywood wouldn't employ her at that time. Yeah, because you know of her, the way she was disintegrating. You know, she was the product of Hollywood, and Hollywood destroyed her, and so she was in exile, and she had this sort of like mini renaissance before her sort of you know the end of her life um, in London. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a story that Hollywood likes, doesn't it? It likes to sort of look after its own, as it were. It, like, but, it, it <laughs> likes stories about itself. Yes. So I thought. Now I'm not surprised it won it, but to me, um, yeah, there's elements about her performance that I liked, but to me, it wasn't quite Judy. I mean, if you see some of sort of Judy Garland's later roles, then to me, it wasn't quite right. But yeah, I can understand how how Hollywood would sort of certainly love it. But, but thinking of the other roles on there and the other actresses. Um, yes, I would p- probably say yes. Yeah, she was that was the most sort of performancey performance because a lot of they do like the ones where people do the whole the crying and the screaming and the <laughs> the emoting, don't they? Look at me, like I'm acting. Look at the acting. acting. Yes, they like you to earn your award, so they don't tend to reward subtlety. Yeah. So I can understand how. Yeah, they like this look at me I'm, I'm being Judy yeah um, so I think Jane Horrocks is like <laughs> would probably be the perfect Judy but you know that's not the sort of role that she would be cast in <laughs> uh, I, 
I love that. I know. I, I totally see what you mean. I totally, I totally see what you mean. Jane Horrocks is Judy. Give her an Oscar. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I think, I think Charlize Theron was really good in Bombshell. But um, again, uh, uh, what you said, I think it's about subtlety. And I've begun to realize that I actually really, I'm beginning to appreciate the subtle performances. Like, um, uh, I recently saw Can You Ever Forgive Me, which was up for Oscars last year. And I saw it in the run-up to this year's Oscars. And seeing yes. Melissa McCarthy in that film, I was like, oh my God, she's amazing in that film. But it's a very yes, subtle yeah. performance, which is which is very different from the usual stuff you'll expect from Melissa McCarthy. And it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I was... And I really, really like the performance. And I compared it to something like... Um, we're going to get into Best Actor in a Leading Role in a second. Like Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, which is... It's kind of like the more... I'm acting! Look at it! Look at it! Yeah. <laughs> I'm acting! Yeah. <laughs> and it's... And I will just... And I was like, man... I want... I want... I want love for the subtle performances that actually so like you know looking yeah. like humans, but but I'll, I'll say the one ones where you don't think they're acting, you think oh they're just being themselves. Because I yeah. remember watching a performance by um a, an interview actually with Hugh Grant, and they they were saying to him you know oh this act this role is quite different to your normal roles and this is quite different to you, and he was saying oh yeah that's acting, and <laughs> I think it's only now when you see him taking more diverse roles that you realise. He has he does actually act. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's. Because, you know, that um, he's been done this sort of like the, the hammy English acting thing for so yeah. long, yeah. you forget that there is subtlety in there, that he does actually have a craft. Yeah. And I think it's the ones that are more, the subtlety is like, I think it's a real craft because they become a real person. You forget that this is an actor putting a role on and you, you think, oh, that's just, they're just playing themselves. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, they're not. <laughs> they're just inhabiting this character. So their every gesture and their phrasing is not, I'm not saying someone else's lines. These are the lines that I would say because yeah. this is what i'm thinking and this is what i my mental process is, is like coming out of my performance so you can see i think the subtle is where the real craft is yeah. whereas we tend to the, the 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 big hitters is what tends to be the ones that get the nods yeah that that give you give you that oscar moment that you can have the grandstanding moment I think yes, yeah, because yeah. your Hansen was is really good in Marriage Story. Mega, mega, like what we we're talking about subtlety, really subtle. Now, Shashi Ronan, Shashi Ronan in Little Women. I'd like to get your take on this because I, I look at this and I look at the performance. I I liked Little Women. I really, really like Shashi Ronan. But when I look at the mm. performance, I don't see look at it and think, oh yeah, best actress, like put that thing up for an award. And it's almost as if. You know how you were saying a little bit about um, was it was it you were talking about was it parasite or something else like that that you know it's like yeah. oh yeah just we we'll just give it to something because oh yeah oh yeah like you know people saying oh we're gonna vote for that because to show that we are not we don't have a diversity problem um, yes so with Shashi with Little Women I feel like almost as if Little Women became this lightning rod film for oh my god why are we not recognizing films that have that are about women that um, are directed by women and all that. They still didn't get a directing uh, Oscar for, or a nomination for directing. Um, but I feel like almost, I honestly feel... But it got the nomination for the best picture. So you normally find they tend to go hand in hand, don't they? But yeah, yeah. a few times in recent years, they have done that disconnect between mm-hmm. a best picture and the best director. You think, well, aren't they, aren't they inextricably linked in many ways? Yeah, but... yeah, but... But they yeah. do have that disconnect. Yeah, they yeah. do. But the thing is, like the Shashi Ronan 
nomination for Best Actress, there's a bit of me, and I just have this niggle in my mind, that I feel like it's more for what the role stands for and what the film stands for than it is for her actual performance, if that makes any sense. Yes. Because I... Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel like the performance was... It, it 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 felt like the kind of thing she can do in her sleep. Now maybe that means that she has been she's been so good for so long that the things that she can do in her sleep are now take for granted. But it didn't particularly feel like oh I would list that in my top five performances of the year. It, no, yeah, no. I think she was perfectly competent in it as she is, and I think as you say, she's her craft is such that she she can carry a role like that yeah. without any trouble. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't have said it was outstanding in any way. Yeah. Um, but it was good. But yeah, I wouldn't say it was particularly outstanding. Okay, cool. And likewise with Florence Pugh. I liked Florence Pugh as, in, as Amy. I yeah. thought she took a little and made a lot of it and yeah. made, you know, much of a role. Because normally Amy is just like, the, she's a silly little sister and then she becomes, you know, the sort of flighty, evil one who ends up with laurie you know so (laughs) so she's made i think she turned sort of amy into one of the the lesser sisters into you know vying for top spot there so i think she did well with that as of the two performances you think yeah she's the more attention grabbing one um was florence Pugh as amy yeah well i've i've because I feel like a lot of people, when, when they've spoken to me about Little Women, they've spoken about, oh my God, what she's done with Amy, what she's done with Amy. Amy just isn't an idiot anymore. And it's like, you, you actually yeah. feel like some sympathy for Amy. And, I, and I, guess, I guess, well, I guess that is acting, if you can do that. So yeah, okay, maybe. But it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't one that straight off the bat blew me away. Okay, now, best no. actor no. in a leading role. Now this... Yeah, Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. This was like decided years, ages ago. So you had Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, Adam Driver in Marriage Story, Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I have to say, I did say that I do think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance ever. It is. It's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it is hands down his best performance of his career because, well, apart from maybe what is in Gilbert Grape. But, um, but I, I always say that of, a lot of the times I can see Leonardo DiCaprio giving a performance but in this one, yes, I just saw Rick Dalton, his character. I just thought it was great. Um, okay. Yes, yeah. it felt less calculated than some of maybe some of his choices yes. he's done before. Yes, but I think in his maturity, I think he's maturing as a man and he's maturing as an actor, and I think you can see it in um, his work through in his work. Yeah, because I was one of these people who, because I just did not buy into the whole Titanic thing. I didn't. That didn't. I didn't. I, I've really sort of largely ignored him mm-hmm. <laughs> over the last sort of twenty years, and so it's only now that he's. Um, I think probably since the Great Gatsby that I've actually started to notice him again, thinking, "Oh yeah, actually, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's he is actually maturing into an actor um, who I think has got longevity. I think he's been around a long time. Yeah. But I can see him as one of the few actors, you know, who you will see him in sort of middle age, and then as an older actor, I can see him his career going on for another, you know, sort of thirty years. Yeah. Whereas some actors, some you think. Yeah, I think so, and I think because some actors, you think when their looks begin to go that you don't won't see them anymore but i think with him i think he's going to keep i think he'll keep going and he'll just move into those older roles as he gets older whereas there's some actors you know that they'll be everyone's darling and then they will just disappear when they sort of hit 40 in 30 years time he's going to be taking all the clint eastwood roles <laughs> yeah i can see it i yeah. think 
Yeah, I can see that. That's what I, I, I would predict that for him. Yeah, so, <laughs> and so, I think like Brad Pitt is like turning into like the, the Robert Redford. I think he, one he day is. soon he'll be like directing his own films of sensitivity and depth. And then you'll think, whoa, this was the pretty boy. <laughs> well, well you, <laughs> and, you've, you've, heard, you've heard of Sean's theory, right? Yeah. You showed theory that Sean is, Sean is convinced that Brad Pitt is Robert Redford's son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I think it's ever since Moneyball he's been like oh my god he looks like Robert Redford he's like no yo, no, uh, yeah. no. He's, and he's like no there's got to be something here there's got to be something here Mrs. Pitt was playing away I'm sure of it but, <laughs> okay so we had Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory Jonathan Price for The Two yeah. Popes now um, Adam Driver Marriage Story I have to say this was the first film that I watched and I actually thought ooh now I get what the fuss about Adam Driver's about because for ages I mean Whenever, he, whenever people always say, he was one of these people that who just sort of say, "I don't drive, I don't drive, I don't drive," and I watch him be like, "Oh, I don't know, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it." But this film, I watch, I was like, "Okay, no, now I get it." Ah, yeah, I'm still in that. I'm not quite there yet, place. But then I haven't seen Marriage Story, so yeah. um, in my head, I'm thinking, "Is it just Kramer versus Kramer all over again?" But then I, I, I haven't seen it, so I think I probably haven't um, looked into it enough because I just heard the title, I was like, going, "Yeah, I don't know if that." Was something I would be it, want to watch. It's, so it's very. I, I mean, know. I think I've, I haven't seen Kramer versus Kramer. Never seen it. But from what I from what I can what I've heard of Kramer versus Kramer, I think Marriage Story is a lot more is a lot less um, fighty. It's a lot less so. Sort of, okay. It's it's a lot more human. It's it's a lot less antagonistic. And it, yeah, it, uh, it's like the slow disintegration of a marriage rather than a, an explosion of a, of a marriage. It it it, it has both. It has, okay. it, it, it's, and this is something that I find myself saying a lot recently. It's very human. So it's kind of like, I think you know, I, I was listening to bits of my review recently of that. And I said that the thing with marriage story is that it's something that a lot of people have gone through and a lot of people yeah. will, a lot of people will relate to what it is. I think it's probably less sensationalist than Kramer versus Kramer was. Because Kramer versus Kramer was like, oh, this one big thing. Ah, oh, she's gone away. She's come back. Does she want a kid? Uh. And it. Yeah. But this this is a lot more just kind of. I think when it says marriage story, even though it's about a couple breaking up, I think it's aptly titled. And yeah. And okay, cool. We we should move on. <laughs> but, yeah. But, so, what did you think of Joaquin's um, Phoenix's performance and as Joker? Do you think that is a worthy best actor? I think it's a very good performance. My problem is I didn't really like the film. So I feel like I feel like yeah. it's a really good performance in a film that was not that deserving, um, which kind of bears out. It was nominated for the most act, for the most awards. I think it only got two, so um, best actor and uh, best score, um, which mm-hmm. which was held gate as another triumph of the night because it was like, well, it's like one of these things where it's it's like less than ten. It might be less than five. It might it might be the the. Like you know, it could be the third time that a woman has won for best composer at the Oscars. Yeah. So I know it's it's some it's some low it's some low number, um, but yeah. So it's, I think it will always be colored by the fact that I did not really enjoy the film. I think like too much hype has been made about the film, and everybody jumping up and like, oh my god, oh my god, Joker, best film of the year. I'm like, I don't agree with that. No. No, this film doesn't say anything. It doesn't say... So, it's a very good performance. I'll give you that. But it is the kind of performance that I feel it is... It's very, very showy. You can you cannot fault his yeah. dedication. Um, but 
if I had to choose, I would probably have rather given it to probably anybody else in that list. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if, I, if I was voting, I probably would. Yes. Not have, I probably would not have gone for that. I pro if I had to pressure, I think I might have gone for Leonardo DiCaprio. But then again, I haven't seen the two popes of pain and glory. But of the ones I've seen... No, I haven't seen all of them. I, so. I, would, I would definitely would have gone for Adam Driver above it. I would have gone for Leonardo DiCaprio above it. But uh, it had built so much momentum and he had won every single award going. So, yeah, why not? Let's just follow like sheep and say, oh, we thought it was yeah. great because he had the scene where you could see the fact that he starved himself for this role. What dedication. Give him an Oscar. But that that yeah. sounds reductionist and that sounds... Uh, that is disrespectful. I, I was, I'll hold my hand up. That is disrespectful. But I would have given it to something else. All right. Best Director. Yeah. Bong Joon-ho, him again, Parasite. Yeah. He won it. But we also had Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Sam Mendes for 1917, Todd Phillips for Joker. <clears throat> but, <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah, this, I thought Sam Mendes was going to get it because, and, yeah. and even after seeing, after seeing Parasite and seeing, Sam, I would probably have gone for 1917 because I think just as a, as an achievement of the film that he put together, it's crazy what he had to marshal to get everything to work. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He is like a, the conductor of an orchestra, wasn't he? Because there's so many things to draw together to make that, that, that good, get that perfect sound, as it were, if you're using the orchestra analogy. Yeah. So yeah, he did draw all those, those bits in to make this, this really accomplished work and i think the fact that it didn't become like a, a, a you know sort of the cameo of the moment thing it wasn't yeah you know because it's so easy when you get famous actors it becomes almost episodic yeah and it's like oh there's that bit with them and there's that bit with them but he there was this this sort of the story the thread running through it all you know you, you didn't lose sight of that even though you had these suddenly very famous faces are popping up yeah at different points their story wasn't about them. They sort of added to the story. So yeah, I thought he he mastered that that sort of the whole whole thing, you know, sort of superbly. Yeah, I, I really think so. And I think he was a worthy. Yeah, he would have been a worthy winner. Yeah. So um, I or oh, oh, obviously perhaps I build ahead of scene, but for me, I would have gone for 1917. Like if if we were yeah. Academy voters, like you know, in the future when we've made our own films and we've been invited to join the Academy, yeah. <laughs> we we will vote for 1917 for Sam Mendes. What do you? Yeah. Yeah. I know we sort of go down our rabbit holes every now. And, yes. But what do you think about? Um, the requirement that some people think that every people who vote should actually watch every single film that has been nominated because you know that there's no requirement for people who can vote to actually watch the films i think that you i think you have to i think it's uh well yeah. I, don't, I don't understand how you can they give you a short list of five things and they say out of these five things which one's the best and you go well i've only seen that one so i'm gonna vote for that one <laughs> that's just that's yeah. stupid and I think, but yeah, there's no requirement, though, is there, for any of these academies for actually their members to demonstrate or to to show that they've actually seen all of the films nominated. So yeah. it just seems a little bit extraordinary that they they put a lot of prestige on the winner when probably only a proportion of the people who voted actually have seen. Yeah, <laughs> all I've, the actually nominees. Seen, I've actually seen the film. I know they they used to have uh they used to have viewings, so they would have a screening of the film. And to vote for the Oscars, you had to have attended that screen, those screenings, to be eligible to vote. The, yeah, that makes more sense, doesn't it? Yes. The problem is that that's pretty time-consuming. So what they started yes. doing is that they started sending out uh, Oscar screeners. And I remember when I was when I was in LA, this was in two thousand and five. Um, 
but because obviously everybody in LA is one one way or another is trying to get into the film industry. And there was somebody there who was working as an assistant for an actor who was um, who was uh, part of the academy. And so he mm-hmm. go- so we went out to his house, and he had been given all these Oscar nominated movies as screeners. And they, so they send them out on DVD and they'll send them to all the nominees and say, please watch this and then vote. And they assume that once they've sent you the DVD, you've watched it. You watch it. Yes. <laughs> but, so he got his assistant to watch them. <laughs> well, well, I think, I think there was something he didn't even watch and he just gave them to the, he just, they just, he just gave them to his assistant. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take these. And so we went on this guy's house. I just had like, you know, an Oscar binge and you, <laughs> you're watching the film. And then every now and then across the screen, the words will come for Oscar screening purposes only. And it will float across the screen from right <laughs> to left. And it will leave you to keep watching the film. <laughs> and yeah, so, so the, and as, as, as I said, like as, as I've grown older, a bit like you sitting down going, hang on, where's E.T.? And you start realizing that there is some politics involved in this. And there's some, there's an issue with the, with the system, which is that not everybody would have watched everything and then they would have been voting on something that they haven't watched. And even how you get them to the short list of the films that go on there, it's people go, you know what? I like the sound of that film. I'm going to go watch that film. That film, I don't know about that. Uh, maybe I won't watch it. And so then you already have a problem of what films get onto the short list because, because something doesn't look like somebody's cup of tea. They don't go watch it. And but Yeah, so it doesn't even get considered, yeah. Yeah, so it has issues. It has issues. But hey, but well done, Bung Jun, uh-huh. Bung Jun Ho. Yes. I, yeah, I think I think I I agree more with the screenplay award that Parasite won than I do with the director one because I think the story of Parasite yeah. and the construction of that story amazing. But I feel like as a director and what Sam Mendes had to sort of marshal to get 1917 made, I for me I think it's more it's more impressive. Um, right. Best actor in a supporting role. Our winner was Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Finally, he wins an well, he, he's won an Oscar before, but finally, he's won one for acting. Um, so Al Pacino. What did he win his other one for? I can't remember. Was it was it producing? He was a producer on Twelve Years a Slave. Right. Yeah, because that was produced by his Plan B production company. So we so like best actor in supporting role we had Brad Pitt once upon a time in Hollywood Al Pacino in The Irishman Joe Pesci in The Irishman Tom Hanks A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts? Of those two, the what I actually did rate Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah. I thought that was a, a, a again a subtle performance. We're used to sort of Tom doing being Tom, you know, oh, he's a nice guy, so he can play a nice guy um, without any effort. But I thought, yeah, I thought there was subtlety in that, that he can convey someone's goodness without making it seem fake. Yeah. And I think you can, people can convey sort of evil, they can convey anger, they can they can convey um, some of these darker emotions. But I think playing someone who is genuinely good, I think it's probably quite hard because yeah. you can make them not real or you can make them seem fake. Yeah. And so I think there was again we use that word. I think there was there was subtlety in his performance that I, I appreciated, and you get the feeling that yeah, this this Mister Rogers pro- was what who he pretended to you know what pretended to be, but he what you saw was what you actually got. Yeah. And I thought to convey that with sincerity. I think it's probably harder than than we would probably think. So I I did rate um, Tom Hanks's performance as Mr. Rogers, oh. um, but I did like Brad Pitt as well. I liked again he this sort of 
I suppose you can say he's like an aging Hollywood stuntman, isn't he, in the film? <laughs> and he's and Brad Pitt, he's still a, a very handsome man, and I think, but he's embracing his maturity in in a, in a sort of different way. And in this film, he was, I thought, yeah, I thought his best he's been for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think so too. But I think a bit like you know how you say Tom Hanks can do, um, can do nice guy in his sleep. I felt like Brad Pitt can yeah. do cool guy in his sleep. And, oh yeah, yeah. And in in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he was that the the main essence of his character of Cliff Booth is he's cool, <laughs> he's cool. Yes. And I thought I thought the even su- down to his like, moccasins, yeah, he's yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. And I thought the subtlety in the film, uh, like you know, you talk about Tom, Tom Hanks saying like okay, he can be nice, but it isn't. It doesn't feel like a lie. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's twee or anything like that. And I think the subtlety yeah. with Brad Pitt's performance is he's cool, but he's also quite dangerous. <laughs> that, yes. That yeah. You you never. I did love the scene with Bruce Lee in that film. That I thought that was just <laughs> for me was the best scene in the in the film. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I quite, I quite um, like that so scene. I, even I though, even though that. even though yeah. people people did have issues with it, I don't quite agree with a lot of the issues that people were complaining about with the with that scene. But um, but yeah, yeah I agree. I don't uh, think they're like sneering at Bruce at Bruce Lee. I don't think it's sort of like sneering at him, but. He was quite pompous, wasn't he, in some ways about yeah. how he would like he would speechify quite a lot, and I thought that was just like the perfect response to it. Um, so even though I, I'm a yeah I'm a fan of Bruce Lee, I did like that scene particularly. Yeah. <laughs> I went to see this film with my brother, and so we both did sort of chuckle at that particular bit. We thought that was funny. Yeah. So yeah, I think that I think this was probably. So one on the of, whole, I'm pleased with Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was probably one of the most even things. Where I was like, yeah, whatever. I was like, whichever one of them yeah. wins, all that. I'm nice to see Joe Pesci and Al Pacino back up there as well. Um, yeah. Uh, best actress in supporting role: Laura Dern was our winner for Marriage Story. Margot Robbie was in was nominated for Bombshell. Forrest, Florence Pugh for Little Women. Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. Her again. Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell. Um, now, if you haven't seen Richard Jewell, have you? No. Yeah. But Sean and I, when we both said it, we said Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell. Really? Well, what? What's going on here? <laughs> and it it almost feels like, oh yeah, she 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 came back and she did something. Let's give her the let's give her a nomination. Yeah. But it yeah, I don't think it's it it, it wasn't. There, there isn't much yeah. to that role. Scarlett Johansson is really good, really good, really affecting in Georgia Rabbit. You've you've seen it, right? Yes. Yeah. Again, I thought it was good, but I wouldn't have said. Wow, that's an Oscar-winning performance. Same here. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought, yeah, it was perfectly competent, but I didn't quite buy her accent. But then I think that was part of the deliberate thing about that film, wasn't it? That they didn't have to do um, perfect German accents. It was like hinting at a Germanic yeah, yeah, accent. Yeah, there were there were some um, so like I slight inflections of German. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't quite buy her accent, um, but I liked the film. I liked her role in it, but. No, I wouldn't have said, wow, that was an amazing performance. You deserve an Oscar for that. Um, so I'm not surprised she didn't win. I quite, I did rate Florence Pugh, but I haven't seen all the other roles, so all the other performances. So, oh, yeah, yeah Laura Dern, I, I get the feeling that yeah, people liked what she did in Marriage Story, so well done her. I liked what she's been doing in Big Little Lies recently. She's playing, she's suddenly sort of had a bit of a resurgence in her career, hasn't she? Has. she? Where she's, she um, has. In the last, back. in the last sort of like five years or something like that, she's just, she's popped up in Star Wars. She's just showing up in all these things. She popped up in that film Wild with um, uh, Reese Witherspoon. And it's, yes. Yeah, and it's just kind of as if people are just beginning to realize, you know what, Laura Dern is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, 
And this, I think she's a yeah, she's gone through that. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 I think she's gone through that thing with an with an older actress where she's like come through the other side of that awkward age, <laughs> if that <laughs> makes sense. Because she's moved out of that. She's not the young woman anymore, and oh. but she's moving into that. I'm still glam and I've still got it, but I'm a woman of a certain age. So I think she's transitioned into that 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 role, um, and I think she's she'll probably you know she will see her around more yeah, often yeah, but there's some actresses who sort of come into their they sort of they're, they're, they're popular and they're, they're young and beautiful yeah. and then they sort of fade and then some of them you know find a new role they find their new yeah. niche for themselves uh, and I think she's one of those actresses who's found it uh, I would I would say uh, you said like you know that she's glam I'll say yeah my god she's glam but <laughs> yeah and um, but the person who's who's uh, the person whose career trajectory this reminds me of is actually Matthew McConaughey how yes yeah how he was just sort of like people had consigned him to the rubbish heap quite frankly it's like go make rubbish rubbish rom-coms and then oh you're getting a bit old for that now aren't you then he started making all these interesting choices and showing up on all these weird yeah. things it started off with an, like with like with Laura Den with with um uh with Big Little Lies an HBO TV show with True Detective and built, built, yeah, built. Yeah, and he was and in like mud and yep. Um, what was that? Was it Killer Joe? He did Killer Joe, where yeah. it takes his his character that we all know and gives it a twist, and you're thinking, ah, there's more to him than yeah. just the or 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 that of malarkey. Yeah. Yeah. So he's and like with Magic Mike again. Yeah, Magic Mike was a big old one. Yeah. Character, yeah, and sort of given a little twist to the dark side with with him i think so that made me think oh actually there you're there's more to you than than we thought yeah and, and i feel like that's a bit like what's happening with laura dern at the moment people are beginning to realize oh yeah sure enough she was in jurassic park sure enough she was in all those old films like with david lynch when she was younger but then people actually begin to realize hang on a second no wait wait chill she's a really good actor <laughs> yeah she can do her stuff she knows yeah. her stuff yeah so so when i think about marriage story i think about i'm trying to think about scenes and I guess it's like a subtle performance. This is this is the kind of thing, right, that makes me feel she won it. And a lot of people in the showbiz have been through divorces. And I reckon that yeah. they probably they probably recognize the character she was playing because she plays a divorce a, a divorce lawyer. I think they probably recognize the character she was playing. I'm going, oh my god, yeah, yeah, that's so spot on. And that is what yeah. because for someone like me who has not been and hopes to never be through a divorce. Yeah. I, I'm just watching it as a performance and going, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. But what's different? What's different to what she does to what somebody does in an episode of Law and Order? But uh, and once again, yeah, once again, <laughs> disrespectful. I'm sorry, <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, all right, best international film, and this is where we are going to be like, yeah, we have failed. <laughs> because the only film on this list that we've seen is Parasite. So if we were, but then again, from what we were speaking about, that means we could be Academy voters. And based on the fact that we've seen one yeah. film, we could vote. And <laughs> we could say, yes, Parasite is the best international feature film. But this was, <laughs> this was probably the most obvious thing that was going to yes, happen all so. night, that Parasite was going to I'd win. I'd be interesting to see the French Les Miserables. I'd be interested to see that. Because, you know, it brings a certain... A country making its own stories, I think, brings a certain I agree. nuance to these films. That where it's always seen someone else's interpretation of Lemmy's, it's always been like the musical Is or it? BBC yeah. dramas or yeah. you know Hollywood version. And I don't think I've actually seen a French 
made version of Lemmy. Yeah. So I'd be interested to see that one, I think. I think, I think it's pretty... The others, I honestly haven't heard of any of the others. <laughs> Me neither. I've heard of none of them. Apart from Pain and Glory, I've heard of I've heard of none yeah. of the other films, which is which is Corpus Christi, Honeyland. Don't know, don't yeah. know what they are. Which is a bit sad, but um, I think yeah, because uh, I mean, there was a film called Sweet Francais with Michelle Williams that was made a couple of yes. years back, and I remember watching the film. I remember watching it going. Ugh, I think this would have been much better if it was actually made in French. If this was actually made by French people, yes, it would it would have had because it would re- yeah that resonance with that yes, yes absolutely uh, as it was it just and these it just things leave a long shadow don't they these events that they make films about I think especially like with Street Francais yeah that does leave a long shadow because yep. I know in some villages I've got friends who've got houses in France and they still talk about you know collaborators yeah and even some of the elderly people when sort of the really elderly die they were saying collaborator especially the women <laughs> they oh, wow. were tarred with that for oh, the rest of their I lives get you. I get you. if they had any relationships with the germans or even if they were suggested that they had a relationship with the german that followed them for the rest of their lives in the same way that the butcher and the baker and the ironmonger that didn't happen to the men but the yeah. women they were like these sort of jerry bags or whatever for the rest of their lives yeah. so i would think yeah i would definitely want to see that one made by a french filmmaker to say there's, there were consequences for these women that didn't just last till the end of the war. Yeah, they went on for decades. <laughs> so yeah, that would be an interesting one. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. Shall we? <laughs> shall, shall we? Shall we get a move on? Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> there, there are a lot of categories of the Oscars. Okay, best adapted screenplay won by Jojo Rabbit, The Irishman, yep. Lit, L- Little Women, Two Popes, Joker. Uh, this is one that I probably would have given to Little Women. Yes, I think she did something interesting with Little Women. I, I really do think she did, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of... If, even if you're a bit of a purist like me, when you see a literary adaption, you want to see the book on the screen. Mm-hmm. That's what draws you in. And she sort of put a little bit of Louisa May Alcott on the screen, sort of the writer. So yeah. it was the story, and it was also how the story came into being in many ways. So the ending was all about, I would say... But what goes far beyond what where the book goes? Oh yeah. And yeah. so part of me, the, the purist in me, is going, just make an adaption of the book. That's what you're there for. <laughs> <laughs> but then another part of me appreciates that it's like, okay, we've had that before. I mean, if you want a more or less a straightforward adaption, watch Winona Ryder's version with Susan Sarandon. You know, that's a perfectly competent good version of the book. Yeah. But if you want something like with you know Little Women Plus, then this is the film for you because it it takes that story and it gives you um layers that you know that you wouldn't necessarily yeah. would, would would find in in the a normal straight uh, and book I, to screen adaptation and i actually think this film or along with queen and slim because queen and slim is like my atrocity of the year that which is oh, oh no not the film the films i love the film but i mean yeah. the, the idea that the film is not at the oscars that was omitted any yeah. category whatsoever that for me is my atrocity of the year that queen and slim is not here um but those are two films that i feel like the uh, little women and uh, they have they've gone okay what times do we live in now what are the hot topics and there's things in this story we're going to tell that are going to touch on it but we're going to do it in a way that isn't preachy that isn't kind of like well obviously if you have a brain this is what you should do um but and I think the way Queen and Slim does that with race relations and the way Little Women does that with representation for women and women having their own agency, I really, really like. And so for mm. that, I think the fact that she yeah. took that source material and she managed to pull those themes out of it 
while still being faithful to the source novel and then at the end just sort of putting a sort of social commentary pretty much that says we need to recognize the woman who came up with this story um i yeah, yeah i quite uh, uh, i i quite like that and i thought it was a very very um delicate balancing act that she pulled off in that so i think for best adaptive screenplay yeah, I, I was i think it did work yeah, yeah i was really really hoping little women would get that Best Original Screenplay. Parasite won that. Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Knives Out, and 1917. Yeah. I mean, there's a bit of me that would have really loved Knives Out to have won it. I think I, <laughs> I would have... Uh, I would I would have... I, the thing is, if Knives Out had won it, I don't think I would have agreed, but I would have been really, really happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, would have been, it would have been like when you're watching a football match and your team plays rubbish and then manages to score like a goal nick a goal in the la- in like the 85th minute and then hold on and win yeah. the game even though you know that you should not have won that game you're still really really happy <laughs> but you know yeah we should really have won that and i think uh, that's that's how i felt about nice i was like i really i'll be really happy if it wins but yeah i probably don't think i think for original screenplay yeah. i do think parasite is a deserved winner there because it is like yes it is original <laughs> it, well yeah story-wise it's like well wow yeah, yeah. I haven't seen this before. I don't know whether that's I don't know whether that's how they make films in Korea, but this is this stands out. Then going on to best animated feature film, this was uh, it wasn't a was not a feature yet. Toy Story four won it. Toy Story four, I did like it. It is it was good. I do not understand how on earth How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World is on this list. I do not understand this, and I know I'm the animation guy of this podcast, so I'm, I'm yeah, not. Yeah. I'm not going to go off on one, but that film was not good. I'm sorry, it wasn't. Missing Link was no, way we better. We respect your. We expect your experience in this category because you know I have none in this category. <laughs> yeah, but uh, even I was looking at this list and thinking I've only actually heard of two of those, which is How to Train Your Dragon, because I'm aware of that there's a franchise and there's a load of books about it, and I've. And I've seen Toy Story 4, which I personally, as it was my animation of the year, I don't really count Frozen 2 because that was, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know. I was actually quite happy. That, I was quite hoping that Frozen 2 was not on this list, even though I would yeah, put it, it up happened and I've moved dragon. on. Yeah. <laughs> but I think Toy Story 4, for me, that's the only one I'd actually have seen. And I was like, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> it was my, my animation of the year. So let the Oscar have it. <laughs> it was well I was like uh, I, I, it was the only one I saw and like most Oscar voters that qualifies me to say yeah that's a worthy that, winner close <laughs> enough for me <laughs> well I, I saw Missing Link I saw that was like a stop motion animation thing from Leica Studios who did Kubo and the Two Strings that uh, Missing okay, Link is yeah. it is quite good it's like a sort of old fashioned adventure story um, I Lost My Body and Klaus those are both Netflix movies they're both on Netflix and I have them on my okay. list and I haven't seen them um, but yeah animated feature we'll move on did you think there were any omissions though as you are our, our expert in this subject did you think there was a, a glaring omission where you thought hey that was a really good piece of art uh, piece of art and you know animated art do you think there was an omission this year that you think could have had a nod that didn't get it mm, no <laughs> okay the, the, the longer short of it is no because you, you say that no. I'm actually trying to think I'm trying to think well what animated movies did I see in the last year that were particularly sort of standouty and I can't really think of any oh Sean, Sean the Sheep Farmageddon yes <laughs> that would be fun <laughs> that would have been fun I mean I know I know um, um, Wallace and Gromit The Curse of the Were-Rabbit won an Oscar 
So, but Shaun of, Shaun the Sheep essentially it's it's like a kids movie, and I think most people thought of it as a kids movie. But everybody I know who's who's watched it has said, "Oh no, it is so clever and it's so cine literate as well." So yeah, that's I think Shaun the Sheep yeah. is a bit of a an omission there. Best documentary we had American Factory winner, Edge of Democracy, Honeyland, For Summer, The Cave. Seen none of them, although For Summer is now on um, Channel Four on, on the Channel Four yes. online website, and For Summer sounds worthy in the best sense of the word. For Summer yes. sounds crazy in the best sense of the word. So um, that's something I'm looking for, look, looking forward to watching. But uh, but the and Honeyland appeared as one of the best foreign features. So. Um, obviously, it's a documentary and a, a oh really feature film. That's the same yeah. film. That was that was. I'm sure it is. It's got the same. Am I? Yes, it's the same film. All right. Best foreign language film and best documentary. So oh. okay. So I, that isn't a drama that I thought it was. So it's a dramatic documentary. Obviously, Ooh, interesting. Oh, now now mm. you know. This is why we need to find out where can we watch these things. <laughs> Yes, gonna, let's just get, get them out there. I'm going to go speak to Elena. We're going to be like, Elena, Elena, where can we watch these things? Why are they not anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> this is why Netflix is going to win. <laughs> but, yes, ultimately it's going to pip you to yeah. cinema domination. Yeah, it, pretty yeah. much. Um, so, uh, But the headline from this category is that now um, Barack and Michelle Obama are now uh, Oscar winners. Yeah. Because they made the American Factory documentary. Yeah, mm. yeah. Look at that. Total overachievers. Anyway, um, <laughs> best documentary short subject. This is where Elena won. Have uh, won in learning to skateboard in a skate skateboard skateboard in a war zone. If you're a girl, the title intrigues me. I have no clue what this is about. In the absence is another film. Life overtakes me. St. Louis Superman. Walk, run, cha cha. Don't know any of them about because they don't have. No. Essentially, there's a lot of short su- short subject films that you only hear about at when they when you see at the um, at the Oscars. Apart from that, for the rest of the year, how in the, where do you watch these films? You have to be like a film festival buff addict, yes, to have seen most of these films. But and I, I think they need to change that. Best animated short film, Hair Love was the winner. The the Kera, the Kera mm. or the Chera, daughter, Kitball, uh, memorable sister. Once again, animated short films. Don't know any of them. Hair Love, well done. I like the title. But then again, yeah, it might, sounds it, good. It might not be what that's I'm thinking of. Quite No, but that's quite topical, isn't it? Because we've had this thing in the news this week in Britain about yes. um, Afro hair. Yes. Or people of, you know, of Afro, African descent. Yes. The, the fact, you know, is it by asking, you know, mixed race girls or black girls to say, you need to control the size and the width and the dimensions of your hair you know is it is it time we sort of embrace you know the the different cultural backgrounds of our students and our, our women and saying that this is natural let's go with the natural and not try to, to have a you know, sort of have but one sort of ethnic conformity on another group where it you're, you're sort of you know is it suppression by saying to girls in school your hair's too big when it's their natural hair hair loves on youtube Sabiki. yeah hair loves on youtube oh good the whole thing i just found it quite topical yeah yeah and, and so that's why i thought from the title that's exactly where my mind my mind went i thought okay this sounds like the kind of thing where it's talking about black people and their hair and the relationship with their hair and how it's been yeah. used to it's been used to sort of shame 
control, all that stuff. There's there's this weird undercurrent when it comes to black people's hair that by trying to control their hair, you're trying to control them. And you're trying to make them become something other than black where you're trying to make them become European or something like that. And so it, I was, I, I was, I was actually filming at an event called beyond hair last weekend in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And it was all about, you know, start from the starting point of hair, trying to empower black women. And it is a big, massive topic. So once I saw that title, I was like, Oh, I think this is what this film's about. I'm glad that, we need that, to watch that. yeah, I'm glad that's what mm. this film is about. And I'm glad I just typed it into Google to find out what it was about, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's on YouTube!" So I'm going to take six minutes, oh, 40, forty-eight seconds after I'm this to watch, watch that, that. One as well. Yeah, and yeah. see whether we can find any, find any yeah. other thing that is actually on YouTube from the best animated short films. Best life and the act- whole thing you may have ex- experienced this as well about people touching your hair. If you if your hair grows out, do people try to touch your hair? Oh lord! Well, the thing is, like, I as long as I tell people that it's okay to touch my hair, I have no problem with that because the way I look at it, yeah. it is like education and people people will have questions when you see something that you've never seen before you're going to have questions and by saying okay cool have a have a go touch it you are you are getting educated now and now you understand that this is because i remember there was one of my friends who when he did he went oh it's a bit like pubic hair isn't it and i'm like oh Oh, yeah i'm like no 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 no." but at least you're educating somebody about it yeah so they don't just look at it and come up with exams like oh it looks like a microphone or something like that that you don't you don't get that i mean my the weirdest thing i did have was once when i was um i was traveling in vietnam and i was on a bus go i was thinking i was going to the coochie tunnels and i was on a bus and there were some ladies who from the language they were speaking i couldn't quite place it but it was either korean or japanese who were on the who were on the bus with me and I, I fell asleep on the bus and I woke up to one of them touching my hair and just sort of like, like, spun, <laughs> like essentially sponging her hand in my hair. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, what? And I looked behind me and I'm like, what, what the heck? And she was like just smiling at me going out and, and nodding. And I looked at one of some of the other friends she was with and she was like, oh yeah, and indicating, you have a go. Come on. <laughs> We've all had a, <laughs> it's We've like, all had a feel. It's like, you have a what? go. Look at it. Oh, it's, it's so different. And, and that that is kind of, there's that's just like a smorgasbord of like you know cultural differences clashing up against each other <laughs> yeah and it's kind of what is it well okay because that was weird we don't speak the same language so i can't tell you um please don't do that but i can just sort of yeah. wake up smile at you and then move away and just uh, you know i wasn't happy with that so but yeah, just please don't do that yeah because yeah. you wouldn't do that because when I mean, I've got my hair is you know have you you've seen my hair yeah it, it it sort of pings in all different directions and it has a life of its own but no one ever touches my hair <laughs> yeah it's just not something that culturally people would say oh no your hair what? goes goes in every direction you see but and they just wouldn't that's wouldn't because touch it. that's because you're used to it well, that's because they're used to it like yeah. I remember I remember growing up in Nigeria and there was a Canadian man called Mel something who came who was staying with us because it was like a rotary thing like that but was a member of the Rotary Club. And so they had this rotary thing where people from Canada came to Nigeria. He was staying with us. And when he went out, he was wearing shorts and he had hairy legs. And we don't really have many people in Nigeria who have massively hairy legs or, or get become no. massively hairy. And so when he was walking around out of right about the place, people were staring at him and all the kids on the road were running up and pulling the hair on his legs as he was walking Ow. past them. <laughs> <laughs> so so I mean there is that element and I understand that element of I have never seen that before. I am mega curious. What the heck is that? 
I I understand that, but I've, I do feel like there there's a way to do it in which which is insulting, and there's a way to do it in which is is actually sort of educating and you learn. All right. Yeah. Cool. So Good. best live action short film. Thanks. The neighbor's window. I love. We'll watch that. Oh mm. no 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 that was that was animation. But best live action short film. Once again, I do not know where I've this got that. Yeah, my, the neighbor's window. No, I don't know any of those. Yeah, Brotherhood, Nefta, Football Club, Saria, a sister. Maybe these are all on YouTube. Maybe that's. that's I'm just going to put this on and see whether they can find all these. If they're short, yeah, it's like yeah, they might, they might be there. They might be on YouTube. But then, how do they qualify for? Ah, never mind. Never mind. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's probably somewhere some bylaws. Anyway, best film editing. This, I always wonder about what count. How do you do this? How do you? But uh, anyway, maybe it's just that's just what the editors vote for. So Ford versus Ferrari won it. The Irishman, Parasites, Joker, and Jojo Rabbit. Now Ford versus Ferrari. But nineteen seventeen wasn't nominated for that, and I would have thought that was a film that a good editing would have made a huge amount of difference in a film like that. But <laughs> that's actually quite yeah, that's actually quite true. That's hey. <laughs> well, I I think nineteen seventeen, technically speaking, probably has about. At most maybe 20 edits in the film because but is they're just very very subtly done but mm. um and a lot of the stuff is in camera so i can understand why maybe they wouldn't have but ford versus ferrari i can understand because the editing because i think editing when it's done properly it gives you a sense of place and it gives you a sense of feeling of what is actually going on and I think for the race scenes in Ford versus Ferrari, especially if you're not a racer, the fact that they managed to let you know this is what's going on, this is what this is what the this is what the um, the stakes are, this is why it's important that this guy drives that car really really fast, and this is what's on the line. Um, I, I think I can understand that. There's a, a lot of the storytelling in Ford versus Ferrari is editing. Um, right. So yeah, okay, cool. I'm fine cool. with that. I don't know I'm why the Irish ones on there. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was three hours of not editing <laughs> by the sounds of it oh wow <laughs> wow you were vicious today anyway <laughs> <laughs> best cinematography Roger Deakins yay for 1917 this was a film we need to stand up and salute the flag for that one I think don't yes, we yes yes we do we do it's like you wait what you wait 17 years for a bus and then two come along at once so he has been he has been nominated something like thirteen times for best cinematographer and never won. Then eventually he won it for um, he won it for Blade Runner 20, 2049, in which I have to say I think was not that strong a year. But then once I saw nineteen seventeen, I was like, yeah, he's gonna win it. You've got to, yeah. He's got to. I mean, look at what we're watching. Are you looking at what I'm looking at? How the hell did he do this? Yeah. And I think, um, 1917 was the only film I saw this year that you, you seriously sitting down there going, how the hell did they film this? How the hell did they make this work? So I think that that's a especially the bits in the river. You know, it's like how did they track all that in the river without seemingly to cut from him? It's like, yeah, how did you? Yeah, I mean, th- there's a, there's mm. there's videos on YouTube of like essentially behind the scene things about how they filmed 1917, and it is as fascinating as the film itself. Just seeing mm. how they pulled this thing off, it is, it's it's uh, so yeah. Roger Deakins, yes, good. Now, once upon a time oh, in Hollywood, because you look at the other ones, once upon a time in Hollywood, The Irishman, Joker, and The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse is the only one I haven't seen on that list. 
Um, even though Holly... no, I want to see that one because it's it looks intriguing. But yeah, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah, Holly Holly reviewed it last week, and she was like, "You know what? All I want for my birthday is for somebody to come in and explain to me what was going on in this film because I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand anything that happened in that film. But it did look beautiful. It did look beautiful. Um, so yeah." Uh, best original song. Oh, now this is contentious. This is that Elton. It was won by Elton John for a song yeah. I totally do not remember. No, I remember seeing that film, and I don't remember that song. I do not remember all. that song at all. I don't even remember it as a. So okay, this was an original song that was written for the film Rocket Man, based on his life, which was mostly a jukebox musical of um his songs that he had written throughout yeah. his career. And usually when that happens, if there's a song that is a new song, you sit down and you go, hang on a second, that's not one of the standards. Where did that oh, come from? I don't from? know that one. That's yeah. a new one, which happens. They did that with Lion King with that spirit song. By oh, yeah, Yawn. Yeah. They, they did that with Aladdin with um, the um, Speechless. The Shout It one. Yeah, I Won't yeah, Be Silent. Yeah, that one, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I Won't yeah. Be Silent. Yeah, yeah, which one? yeah, whatever. But you noticed it. This song that has apparently won the best original song, I do not even remember it from, from the yeah, was film. It end, was it like an end credits film, a song? Because uh, sometimes I, they throw them in there, don't they? And you think, was it the one that they played as we were leaving the cinema? I don't know. Because I can't remember it at all. If if it was the one that they played when they leaving the cinema, then I do not think it should win best original song. Sorry. I, I think it should be part of the film in some way. But anyway. Yeah. So I'm standing with you from Breakthrough. Never even heard of Breakthrough. Into the Unknown no. from Frozen Two. Good, good uh, song. Yeah, right. Okay. Good song, but I'm guessing they thought, oh, we can't give Let It Go a thing and then give this one a thing as well. Uh, I was really, even without ever hearing the song, I was really hoping that Stand Up from Harriet would win because it's sung by Cynthia Erivo, and if she had won this, she would have won. She would have completed her egot. Oh yes, that would have been nice, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, she would have gotten an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. I would have, I would have quite liked it, and I can't let yourself, I can't let you throw yourself away from Toy Story Four. Don't remember the song, but I do remember it being really affecting in a scene. So yeah, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna say, yeah, why on earth couldn't you give it to ha- to stand up so that we could have someone who got an egot? Ugh, you guys suck. Yeah. But, but best visual effects, 1917 was the winner. Avengers Endgame was nominated. The Lion King, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and The Irishman. Now I think that that is a pretty big hitting category. Yeah, I think it's a pretty big hitting category, and I think this is one. This is one thing in which subtlety won out because um, nineteen seventeen has a lot of visual effects, but you do not notice them while you're watching the film. Because they are, no. they are all sort of like seamlessly integrated, so you don't realize that they're there. Like the plane, the plane wasn't there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. And Avengers Endgame, uh, that was the only thing it got nominated for. I think people were going, "Well, you, you're the most successful film of all time. Go away." Yeah, you what you what you need a gong for? Yeah, they're not gonna. Yeah. yeah, I'm not happy with Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker winning anything, so I'm happy that. <laughs> But it didn't. Yeah, I'm happy that it didn't. <laughs> the Lion King. I mean, the whole film was a visual effect. So, yeah, arguably that should have been in the animated category. But hey, oh, it's a new world. Best production design. Now we're getting onto the kind of thing where I'm not entirely sure what these Oscar awards actually mean. Once upon a time in Hollywood, no. won The Irishman, 1917, Georgia Rabbit, Parasite. I guess it's just like whether you believe the world that they're in. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was brilliant for that. Best makeup yes. and 
Best makeup and hairstyling, Bombshell won. You had Joker, Judy, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Who would have thought that would be an Oscar nominee? And 1917. Um, if for nothing else, for Charlize Theron playing Megan Kelly in Bombshell, I think that's what's. I think that's what's won this film, this Oscar. Yeah, because it. She didn't quite look like herself, but she didn't look plastic either. So. Hey, kudos for that. Well, if if you look, have you looked up pictures of the real Megan Kelly? No. Yeah, if if you do, it's 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 a little unsettling. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little unsettling what they've done with that. And I remember watching Bombshell, and because Bombshell starts off with a dark screen, and then you just hear the voice, and I was like, "What the heck?" Because she does Megan Kelly sounds nothing like Charlize Theron, and at the beginning when they had the dark screen and just the voice playing. I thought that they were playing actual recordings of Megan Kelly. Yeah. I was like, no, wait, wait, really? That that's Charlie's the Oh my that is amazing what she's done with her voice in that film. So unfortunately there's no Oscar for that. Uh Best Costume Design, yeah. Little Women won that. Um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker. I'm just glad that people were not giving Joker awards by this time. And I'm glad that Little Women won something because it is a gorgeous yeah. looking film with gorgeous looking people dressed in gorgeous looking outfits. Best sound mixing. Yeah, this is a bit, I'd agree with that. Yeah, this is a bit like the editing thing again. Ford for Ferrari won it. You had 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Ad Astra, and Joker. And I reckon, right, that this is one of those things that it's only when you start dabbling in that particular dark art that you actually understand what they're on about. So, because there's things that I... I know there's things when I watch TV, and I because I edit videos for a living, uh, mm-hmm. the thing when I watch TV and I'm like, Oh, oh, clever. And yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. Everybody around me is like, what, 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 what happened? I'm like, oh, no, oh, you didn't see that. Oh, clever. And people are like, what are you on about? And it's not to you. So I reckon that this is what it comes with sound mixing, that people will watch it and go, how did they do that? How did they get that? But Ford <laughs> versus Ferrari, obviously a very technically made, well-made film. Best sound editing, 1917 won it. We had Ford. Yeah, good. Yeah, happy with that. Ford versus Ferrari mm-hmm. was not up for that again. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. You see, now this is the thing. I'm still best sound mixing and best sound editing. I mean, what was the? <coughs> never mind, never mind. Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. As I said, I'm happy that he didn't win anything. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um, and Joker. So, um, so yeah, well done, 1917. And I think the final one that we have here is the best original score. Uh, Sharon, you want to have a go at saying the winner's name? <laughs> I'm just trying to find it on my list because I'm my list. Because here we go. Yes, let's go with that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hilda. Yes. Hilda. Good. Good na daughter. Good na daughter. Good na daughter. Hilda. Yeah, daughter. Yeah. She's finished. I I'll believe. go with that. I think she's finished. Hilda. Yeah, something like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. either Finnish or Icelandic. But yeah, but uh, she she won it. And well, well, I think that the score of Joker is one of those things that you look at and you say, but essentially because the score of the for the film was written before the film was made, which is actually quite... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's quite difficult to do. It's quite difficult to do uh, do that. And um, uh, so, well, uh, I'm, I'm impressed with that. 
Um, I remember the music choices right, as in the songs rather than the actual score. Mm-hmm. So I remember sort of thinking the choices of like, especially like the Gary Glitter song that we've made a lot of published over here because we know Gary Glitter's story, don't we? Yeah. And so when you hear his music, you instantly get a, you're feeling slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. So you think that's a clever choice of, of music placing that in that scene because what you see and what you hear creates a not a, not the obvious mood in a certain audience so mm-hmm. that i thought that was very clever about their musical but that's not the score necessarily so yeah i think yeah i think it was it was again the score is probably very more unsettling. subtle than the film was yeah it was more set subtle and for that reason that it was it did you you had that you heard that descent into madness mm-hmm. um as well as saw it so yeah that was a clever piece of yeah yeah inspired yeah, bit, bit of yeah stuff. Then we have Thomas Newman. I think that was 1917. I'm not sure. Yeah. And then Little Women, Alexander. De- I don't know. Is this Desplat or Desplat? I don't know. Desplat. I have no idea. Desplat. Yeah. Marriage Story. Randy Newman. That is a good score. The this music music choices in Marriage Story are quite good. And Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. I know it's John Williams. John and Williams. We love yeah. him, and he's a legend. But I'm still happy that Star Wars didn't win anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, and that was it. And I think, I think all in all, generally speaking, a bit kind of like well, for the big ones, for the big ones, it was like yeah, yeah, whatever. It's a, not that, not sure what this was. All yeah, about. I don't think there's any real surprises. There's a few where you're going really, but I don't think there were that many. You'd say genuinely that was a shocker. Oh, no, no, there wasn't, there wasn't, there weren't like, if there were any surprises, there were good ones as opposed to bad ones. Yeah. So, because um, some years you go, wow, okay, did you see the same film I saw? Yeah. like. But this year, I didn't have that feeling so much, not with all of them anyway. Well, I did with the nominations when they nominated Joker for like everything. I was like, what? Yes, do you think? <laughs> I know last did year. Is that the same Joker? <laughs> I, I know, I know last yeah. year I had issues with Green Book. I had issues with Green Book last year. I was like, really? Best film? I think no. sometimes the best film within the Met, especially with the Oscars, I always sometimes I think, what was yeah because I yeah like for things like going back a long long time now, um, but I haven't got over it. It's like Braveheart. You think really was that the best film? Oh, um, okay. And so some of their choices, you think, no, <laughs> <laughs> history has shown that you were not right on that one. <laughs> okay, no, no. The thing is. I Braveheart came out around about a time when I was getting into my film buffery and I loved Braveheart and I'm <sighs> and that was before I was living in the UK so I did not understand the problems that Scottish people might have with it and the fact that you had uh, Australian of American origin or American of Australian origin playing a Scottish Scottish man with an I and with an accent that they didn't quite I didn't get any of that so just as a film yeah. I loved Braveheart and I think it, Braveheart got me into sort of like more serious filmmaking going oh my word okay. oh, yeah. so so it was for that ha- reason okay I forgive it, it, well, it, it so so it has I can't remember what, was, what else was up that year I don't think that wasn't the same year as Schindler's List I think that was Schindler's List was the year of Forrest Gump I can't remember what was up against yeah. Braveheart but I do remember thinking when Braveheart won going yeah maybe there is some of this Oscar stuff <laughs> And now, like, what, 25 years later, I'm like, oh, oh, no, it's all a sham. Okay, now I get it. <laughs> it's all a sham. <laughs> it's all smokes and mirrors. It's all people watching one film and then voting for 15. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I 
Uh, right, cool. I think that that is the end. That is the end of our Oscars reaction. So yes, we will be back next week with our usual Netflixy stuff. Where Sharon, you said that there's some stuff you've seen this week that you're going to be talking about next week. Yes, I have. A, um, I will have a a list of films by then. Do you want to spoil it, or shall I? Um, no, no. Go ahead. Tell, tell us. Tell us what we have to look forward to. Well, I have seen Birds of Prey already um, with Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. It's got a subtitle that's very, very long, and I can't the remember. The Fantabulous um, Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. That's the one. And I am going to see a Jane Austen adaption, Emma, tomorrow Ooh. night. Ooh, yes, yes. I may have to see some so of those films. Yeah, from the, um, I don't know if you go to the sublime to the ridiculous, but I think um, <laughs> that probably will be, <laughs> I don't know which way around it will be, depending on how I like Emma. Um, so we will see. So, right. <laughs> and on Netflix, I have seen a Norwegian drama called Ragnarok. Oh, yeah, my brother and was watching I've, that. Yeah, and I have gone back in time a long, long way um, to see a film from the 1980s called The Hiding Place, um, revisiting, because I was thinking in the whole outfits sort of thing, mm-hmm. I would watch a film about the concentration camp. So this was about a letter woman's experience in Ravensbrück. All right. Um, I w- so I thought I'd go, yeah, so I've done completely different that's based in Holland. Um, so I've got, yes, I've got some completely off the wall things for my Netflix choices for next week. All so, right. so far I've got two of each. Well, I will have two of each. All right, good. And um, I will go and watch some things and then come back and let you know what I thought. Right. And Sean will have about 20 from being on uh, the flights that he's Lord. been on various flights. So he yeah. will have a list of, you know, 20 sure. long. Yeah. I am sure. Well, we might have to do another. <laughs> we might have to do another two parter next week. <laughs> but, After, uh, yeah, special. <laughs> okay. All right. Until that time, thank you so much for listening all the way to this point, and it's a goodbye from me, and a goodbye from me. And we will speak to you guys next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.